Welcome to the Wellsteading Podcast. This is episode 125. It's July 18th, 2015. I'm your host, John Pagliano. I'm also the founder and money manager at investablewealth.com. Well, in today's episode, we're going to take a break from talking about the stock market, and we're going to talk a little bit about the lighter side of retirement. Now, I think this will be especially important for those of you that are older, that are getting towards retirement, or maybe that are already in retirement. But hey, if you're just a young guy or a young girl, well, don't turn off the, this episode because it's for you too. If nothing else, even if you're not anywhere near retirement, you should be listening to this because what I'm going to talk about are the four H's of retirement. And those four H's not only apply to people that are in retirement or those that are preparing for it, but they're also a key to the investment areas that you should be looking at because we know that the baby boomers have already started to retire and they'll be retiring for the next 15 years or so. And so the impact that they have on the economy is huge. And so you want to look at these four areas as long-term growth segments of the economy. Now, this is going to be a little lighter side to it. We're not going to talk about 50-day moving averages and numbers and indexes and some of the things we normally talk about. We're going to keep this at a really high fun level. The markets have been stressful over the last two or three weeks. And although I don't want to get into that in this episode, I will say I'm maintaining my short position in oil. I'm very happy with it. I think in the last week alone, it's gone up something like 5 or 6%. I also have a very large position in the U.S. dollar. I'm happy with that as well. I did incidentally just put a blog post up about that over at my firm's website, investablewealth.com. If you're not subscribed to those updates, you should do that because you'll usually find that if I make a new position or a trade, I announce it there first. It's just easier to put something out in writing than it is to take the time to make audio recording of it for this podcast. So in general, investablewealth.com, blog posts over there, that's where I, under the heading of observations and commentary, that's where I do my articles and my blog posts. That'll generally give you a snapshot of what uh, is on my mind or what's going on in the marketplace. Those things generally come out quicker. They're also accompanied by graphs and things like that to make it more, you know, visual for things that are hard to follow uh, along with uh, on a spoken word format, like on the podcast. So I may refer you back there occasionally. And then the podcast itself is really an opportunity for me to do a long-term format and just a discussion of what's on my mind, what I think is happening in the news, and how we might interpret that so that we can make money in the stock market. The thing to always keep in mind about wealth steading is that it's just not about money. It's just not about the stock market. It's about building wealth so that you can live the life that you want to. It's all about personal freedom and having choices in your life. If you haven't listened to my first 10 episodes, that's where I lay out my foundation of wealth building principles. Go back and check those out. There's always a link to that in the show notes. And then, of course, you can go search them and find them on iTunes or Stitcher. And then all the show archives are always maintained at wealthsteading.com. So as far as retirement goes, I think that if you want to be happy and prosperous and enjoying life in your latter years, then you need to focus on what I call the four H's, and that's health, housing, hobbies, and hugs. We're going to talk about each of those individually. For those of you that are new to the podcast and might want to get more of a down-in-the-weeds, nuts-and-bolts, wealth-building commentary on uh, retirement, then go back and listen to episode 85 if you haven't heard that yet. That's where I talk about the reality of poor retirement planning. That's episode 85. There will also be a link to that in the show notes today. So let's start out with health. Obviously, if you don't have your health, all the wealth in the world won't matter. Your health is the most critical thing. And health is very similar to wealth in terms of, you know, if you've waited till you're 85 years old to start working on your health, well, you're going to be behind the eight ball. You're going to be behind the curve because if you want to have good health or you want to have very good wealth, 
You have to start thinking about that while you're a young person and you have to start working towards that goal. So do the things that you think are right to preserve your health. Go out and research things about healthy food. And I just don't mean organic food or foods that are touted as healthy, but, but I think you should go out and study the foods that, that have been eaten in the past, the foods that maybe have been eaten by our previous ancestors, and understand why they did that, why they chose to eat fermented foods, and why their diets didn't consist of high sugar or high fructose diets like ours do today. And then maybe you can start drawing some conclusions and understand why our ancestors didn't suffer from the same debilitating diseases that we do today. Specifically things like diabetes, which is a lifestyle disease. Your health to a large degree is also going to be determined by the amount of exercise you get. And I don't mean just simply going to the gym. I mean the way you're active. Do you go out and walk? Do you bike ride? Do you work out in the gym? Do you get a good cardio exercise as well as toning up your muscles? These things are all extremely important, particularly as you get older. You're going to have aches and pains, but if you've taken care of your health, if you've exercised, if you make sure that your joints are in good shape and you have a good range of mobility, that's going to make it so much better for you when you're older. Health is also about access to top-notch medicine. So as you get older, I would encourage you to seek out and find doctors that you trust, people that can offer you consultations, and make sure that should you have a disease or some type of ailment, they're providing you with the best pharmaceuticals and the best types of surgery that you might need without going overboard or without putting you on maintenance drugs that are really doing nothing to increase your quality of life. Your health is also genetic. So again, you should go back and look at your ancestors, talk to your parents and your great-grandparents or go back and read their journals, or try and get some type of family history. Understand the things that they suffered from, because it's very likely that those same maladies are going to be encoded into your genes. And if you know, for example, that you're likely to have a genetic disposition to, say, a particular form of cancer, well, you can watch out for that. You can take preliminary steps. You can work with that trusted healthcare professional that you have. And you can do the best to preempt any of these negative things that are already in your genetic code. So for our four H's, health is the number one. And as I said, for those of you that are thinking about investment strategies, obviously we just covered a lot of them right there. Healthcare, pharmaceuticals, medicine, things like nursing homes, or alternative ways to care for the aging population. Those have all been very healthy segments of the economy. They will probably remain that way for the next 15 to 20 years. They will have their ups and downs. Markets will get overhyped, like perhaps right now we're seeing with the biotech-type stocks, government intervention, things like the Affordable Care Act. That also will have an impact on profits, and money will flow in different directions for that. So you have to be careful. You just can't assume that the pharmaceutical and healthcare industry is going to be strong and robust forever. So watch that field closely. Look for top quality companies that are being favored by those short-term trends. But absolutely, health and health care and health issues are all going to be dominant factors in the economy and the stock market for the next, as I said, 15 or 20 years. Now, the second H in our 4-H side of retirement is housing. Your housing or your home is obviously critical to you throughout your life, but it becomes even more so as you get older because your needs change. When you were younger, perhaps when you were raising a family, you might have been concerned about living in the right school district or having a house that's big enough so all your kids had their own bedrooms or so they had a yard to play in. You also had a home you, that you chose a location of because it was close to where you worked so that you didn't have as long of a commuting distance. Well, all these things change as you go into retirement. Most likely, you will no longer be working, so you don't have to worry about that commute. 
your children are all raised. So although you might want to have a place where your children and grandchildren can come back to visit, they're not living there on a daily basis. So you can have a much smaller home. So this really frees you up to make a lot of decisions about where you want to live from, from a geographical standpoint. Do you want to live someplace where it's cooler in the summer and warmer in the winter? Do you want to live in a place that's closer to the ocean or to the mountains or someplace that has great access to the recreational things that you like to do? If you've saved properly and you've built your wealth, you've prepared for retirement, these are the types of choices that you'll have to make. You won't have to live in the same suburb or part of town or geographic area that you had to live in when you were in your earning years because now you're going to be financially independent and you can choose to live wherever you want to. The other thing to consider about housing is as you get older, you're going to want different things in your house than you had when you were raising a family. And some of these might be because of physical limitations. You may need a home that's wheelchair accessible. And these are the kind of things you need to think about because as you, as I always talk about with wealth steading principles, the number one thing that you're going to spend your money on, your discretionary income on, is your cost of housing. So you don't want to overspend on your housing, nor do you want to move around a lot where you're constantly paying more to move up. You know, you're paying more in realtor fees, you're paying more to have your furniture and things moved. So if you can go into retirement and potentially live in a house that you're going to live in for the rest of your life, that'll be a much easier way for you to maintain your wealth. So things you might want to consider now while you're healthy are what kind of things you're going to need as you get older where some of your health may be deteriorating. That gets back to the wheelchair accessible side of things. Well, maybe today you don't need a wheelchair, but you might need one in 15 years. Again, look back at your family history. Were your grandparents and great-grandparents, uh, were they people that were mobile throughout their life? Perhaps did they have a stroke that paralyzed them? Or did they have very bad arthritis that limited their mobility? Well, think about those things, and perhaps when you buy that final home that you want to retire in, you should consider something that's open up to a lot of mobility issues. Maybe something that's, that's one-level housing, where everything is on one floor, where there's no steps, where the doorways are very wide and easy to get a wheelchair in and out of. That's just something for you to consider, and it can be done whether you live in a condominium or whether you live in a, in a ranch-type home. One-level living has a lot of advantages. Even if you're highly mobile in your old age, there's no reason to have to go up and down stairs if you don't have to. So consider that. As we mentioned, of course, you're going to be thinking about maybe living in an area that's warmer in the winter and cooler in the summer. Perhaps you're going to achieve that by having two homes. You have one uh, down south by the ocean uh, that you use in the summer, and then you have a smaller cabin that you frequent in the uh, summer months that's up in the mountains. The real thing to consider there is not just your comfort of day-to-day -day living, but when you're looking at that geographic location to pick for your retirement home, don't forget about that first H in our four H's, which was health. Definitely consider your access to healthcare professionals. You want to be near top quality hospitals and top quality medical professionals. They're going to be able to care for you as you get older and as you ultimately get hit by those debilitating diseases, which we know that we're all going to succumb to. Now, the beauty of having access to things like the Internet mean that we no longer have to live in absolute close proximity to our healthcare professionals. I think you're going to see the, the coming trends where doctors more and more make house calls by going online. They'll use things like Skype and then all the coming medical sensory type peripheral devices that will be able to hook up to your body and then transmit data via, you know, Wi-Fi or, or uh, your, your smartphone or things like that back to your doctor or back to a data sensor that's monitoring you and it knows your ailments and it's in constant contact with your doctor should you go out of your parameters. 
So you won't be geographically limited to where you'd have to necessarily just live next to the hospital. I think that's the beauty of the technology that we have now and the, the coming technology that's going to be even better. It will allow us to live in somewhat more remote areas or smaller towns. But the bottom line to having a geographical proximity to a hospital is incredibly important because if you have that heart attack or you have a stroke, you don't want to have to be a two and a half or a three hour drive to a high quality medical hospital. When emergencies like that happen, you want to be in as close proximity to a high quality medical center as possible. So make sure that's on your housing checklist. Again, just like when you were raising a family and you were concerned about living in the right school district or the right neighborhood that provided good quality education to your children, you want to be thinking about living in a neighborhood that provides you with top quality medical access. Okay, so from a trend and an investing standpoint, relate those things that we just discussed to stocks and different sectors of the economy that are going to benefit from that. Housing developments like condominiums or individual houses that offer one-floor living, subdivisions and housing plans that, that cater and offer to the active you know, 55-year-olds and older, those are the types of real estate that I think will continue to grow over the next 10 to 15 years, as well as nursing-type facilities, assisted living, high-quality trauma centers that specialize in geriatrics, those type hospitals. And whether they be inpatient or outpatient, any type of medicine that caters to the aging population, that will be a possibility for a good investment opportunity for many decades to come. So if you're thinking about investing in real estate or a REIT-type exchange-traded fund or something like that, stay away from the REITs that are investing in office space and retail space and focus on those that are more in line with healthcare, senior-type living, or communities that cater to the aging population. That's where I think the best real estate investments are going to occur, again, over these next 10 to 20 years. Now, our third H is hobbies. As you go into retirement, you won't be working, and so it's important that you continue to do things that engage you, that expand your mind, that energize your body, and that help you interact with others around you. When you're in your working years, you derive a lot of that from going to your job every day and from raising your family, you know, playing with your children, taking them to their events, that gets you out and about. Oftentimes, you'll find that the friends that you make as you're raising your family are generally the, you know, the friends of your children's friends, those type things, the parents of your children's friends. Well, in retirement, you're not going to be raising children anymore. You're not going to be going out and doing the activities that kept you busy with them. So it's very important that you have hobbies and activities that you can engage your efforts and your energies into. You want to keep your mind active. So whether you're doing crossword puzzles or making quilts or you play golf or you like reading murder mysteries or whatever it is that you do to keep your mind mentally active, that's critically important. And then your body as well. Whether you're playing golf or tennis or whether you like to garden or just go on long walks, these type sporting events and exercises should be a key part of your hobbies. You've seen old people just sit around and, and not have any interaction, not get up and do anything physically and maybe just sit around and watch TV. Well, you don't want to live that type of couch potato retirement. You know that you have to engage in activities to keep your mind strong and then physical activities to keep your body healthy. So focus on hobbies. If, if for whatever reason you've kind of got out of having a hobby and you're right now in your middle age or something, start thinking about what you can be doing as you get older or if you're already retired and you found that you're just not doing enough, go out and make it happen. There are so many incredible things that you can do to not only keep your mind active, but to also to get out and engage with people in your community. A hobby doesn't have to be just a frivolous activity. It can be something where you're volunteering your time to do community service to help people. You can be a volunteer fireman. 
You can teach children to read. You can go out and do forest management and plant trees to cut down on erosion. Whatever it is that you have an interest in, whether it be through your church, through your civic organizations or, or fraternities or clubs that you belong to, look for opportunities to engage with other people, to volunteer, and embrace that as one of your hobbies. I'd also encourage you that if you are retiring from your full-time career, think about starting a small business and doing that as a hobby. If you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you know you've heard me say that I don't ever plan to retire. I consider myself retired right now. I get up every day and I do what I love. And I love to trade stocks. I love to interact with my clients. To me, that's not a job. It's a way for me to help others. It's a way for me to express my creativity. It's a way for me to engage my mind. As long as I'm physically and mentally healthy enough to do that, I'm going to continue to do that. Because I work for myself, I'm not stuck in an office or a cubicle or I'm not answering to any type of boss or someone above me other than Mrs. Pugliano, but that's another topic. Point I'm making here is that I don't get up and go to work every day because I have to. I get up and go to work every day because I want to. And then I can also integrate that into other areas of my life. If I need to relieve some stress or just get up from looking at the computer or I want to get out of my home office, well, I can simply get up and leave. I can go take my dog for a walk. I can go for a drive in my car. I can go visit a client. Or I could be meeting with my clients. It's, it's some kind of a function that has nothing to do with business, but it's, it's a hobby. You know, I'm into permaculture. I'm into ham radio. I like to do preparedness things. When I'm out and engaged in those activities, which are hobbies to me, I'm also interacting with my clients. So when you think of retirement, don't think that you're not going to be working or that you're not going to earn an income or you're not going to have profitable activities. I'd encourage you to do those things. Build those into some type of a small lifestyle business that you can engage in as a hobby. Even if you're in your 30s or 40s or 50s, start thinking about those things now. Start thinking of ways that you're going to be able to exit from your full-time job. You're going to be able to go into retirement and live off of not only your pension and Social Security and the money that you've saved, but also these small business type hobbies that are going to generate income for you. So hobbies are critically important to your retirement. From an investment standpoint, again, think of things, sectors of the economy or companies that are going to cater to and profit from the older population that engage in those either as hobbies or as small businesses. So look at small businesses that are decentralized, that offer consulting type services, or things like, you know, the smartphones and the internet, which will tie these older retired people back to their hobbies and their small businesses. Travel type websites, things like Airbnb, HomeAway, new and emerging websites and companies and, and apps that encourage people to get together and interact and go on golfing vacations or, or volunteering opportunities, that sector of the economy will flourish and grow. Remember, when you're dealing with older people, they have discretionary income. They're not like kids that have to go back to their parents and ask for money to buy something. So think of big, expensive toys that older people want to buy. Motor homes, recreational vehicles, boats. There's an old saying that says the only difference between men and boys is the price they pay for their toys. So consider industries or companies that are focused on supplying those hobbies to older people with a lot of discretionary income that don't have to go back and ask somebody for permission to buy it. Finally, the last thing I want to talk about in terms of our four H's, and that's hug, like rhyme with pug. You need hugs. Now, I use the term uh, hug to express love. You need to have love and emotional connections throughout your life, but they become critical as you get older because the hard reality of aging 
is that your friends and family will continue to diminish because they are going to age and they're going to die. So even if you go into retirement with a thousand friends and family, well, they will pass away. And if you live long enough and you don't constantly make new friends, you're going to find out that you're the last one alive. I've seen this happen to older people. It's very sad. So it's important that as you're aging, that you're not only loving your, you know, kind of conditional friends and family, but that you're always reaching out, that you're continually making new friends, that you're making new associates. And the best way to have other people love and want to hug you is for you to go out and serve them. So that gets back to some of the other things we talked about. You know, where are you going to live? You need to live in a community that has the same types of goals and objectives and lifestyles that you, that you want to participate in and, and engage in so that you're constantly going out making new friends. And even if these aren't older people, again, you know, your older friends, they're going to get to the point where they eventually start to their health deteriorates and they're going to pass on. That's inevitable. That's a fact of life. So look to younger people. Don't be afraid to engage with younger people. Get to know them. Make friends with them. You'll have a great deal of wisdom that they can benefit from knowing you. You can provide them recommendations and advice. The thing I really want to stress about hugs, and the reason I made it part of our four H's, is that you always need love. You always need relationships. We call it social capital. When you're financially independent, you not only have wealth in the form of dollars and stocks and real estate, things of a money-backed capital nature, but you also need social capital. You want to have a healthy relationship with your spouse or your children or your grandchildren or your neighbors or people in your community, your friends. You don't want to go it alone. No man or woman is an island. As you become older and more frail, you're going to have to rely on people. Remember I mentioned about that healthcare professional. You want to be associated and affiliated with medical and healthcare professionals that you can trust. You not only want them to serve you because you pay them, but you want them to serve you because they love you, because they have a relationship with you, because you've established a friendship with them over the years. So the social capital is just like your monetary capital. You can't just go out and develop it overnight. You don't get rich quick. You can't develop love quickly. Look for ways to make those connections and that engagement with people around you and then don't ever stop. The important thing to remember is to keep those relationships alive and always go on and expand and build more. You can never have enough friends and you become a friend by being a friend to others first. Speaking of friendships and speaking of people that have had long-term affiliations, I want to end today's podcast by talking about a couple old guys that have been long-term friends. Their names are Willie and Merle. Now, I want to point out a couple of things about these guys just beyond their friendship and the hobbies and the careers and the way that they've built their lifestyle. They're still going strong when they're into their late 70s and early 80s. For those of you that are young, maybe you're 20 or 30 years old and you don't ever think you're going to get old. Well, trust me, you are going to get old if you live long enough. And I hope you all do. And when you get old, you're not going to be able to do the same things you did when you, when you were younger, but you'll still have the same kind of thoughts and you'll still enjoy many of the same activities. So I want you to check out this video from Willie and Merle, and you know these guys too. That's Willie Nelson and Merle Haggard, two legendary names in the country music business. Willie Nelson is 82 years old. Merle Haggard is 78. They just released a new album. Their latest hit song is called It's All Going to Pot. In the show notes today, I've linked to their music video on YouTube. Take a look at these two old guys singing and interacting with each other. There's different ways you can interpret the meaning to their song. I'll let you draw your own conclusions. 